Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's pretty difficult. Matter of fact, it's very difficult. Because although we know people in the Bible, and there are a handful of people that, that, that you know their names, people like Moses, okay? You don't even have to study the Bible to know who Moses was. There, there are people who you can look at, Abraham, who's claimed as a father of three religions. The Jews, the Muslims claim him inaccurately, but they claim him, and Christians There are a handful of people whose names you can recognize, and though they haven't been around for thousands of years, you immediately know who someone's talking about, what their personality is, and what they represent. It's been said, don't judge someone's circumstances until you know their story. Why? Because many times we often end up at a place in life that we never intended to end up at. But as you know, it doesn't matter what your intentions are, your actions are what takes you down the road that you travel, not where you intended to go. And the harsh reality becomes the difference between where you wanted to be and where you ended up being in your life. We've all gone through times in our life and are known others that have gone through times in their life where, where you go, how did they get there? How, how did they mess their life up that much? How could someone be that confused and that deluded? While many of us can't name all of the 12 apostles, we can name three or four of them, or maybe even the 70 people besides that, because it was 70 people that Jesus sent out to heal the sick and cast out demons. Go look in the book of Luke. He sent 70 out. And there was another 500 that surrounded Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you look at all the groups that surrounded Jesus, there was 500. He told 500 to go wait for him in the upper room. But only 120 were there when the Holy Spirit fell. Then there was that next level of people, which was the 70. And then, of course, there was the 12. And then among the 12, there was the three, Peter, James, and John. But today... I want to talk to you about one of the disciples that everybody knows, but no one is named by. There are a lot of people named Peter. There's a lot of people named Andrew. How many of you know an Andrew or a Peter? Maybe some of you know a Nate or a Nathaniel. But nobody's named after this guy. It's hard to believe because no one ever imagined that he would end up the way that he ended up by the way that he started out. As a matter of fact, out of the 12 apostles, he is the only one who was raised in a different region of Galilee. He was raised in an area called Kiriath. He was the most educated of all the disciples. His name means praise the Lord or Jehovah leads. Being the most educated, he was also the most trusted. And so they put him in charge of the money. He saw blind Bartimaeus healed. He saw Jesus walk on water. He cast out demons. He saw the storms calmed. He saw the Cajun miracle when Jesus turned water into wine. 
People always ask me, Pastor, does our church believe that we can drink wine? Jesus drank wine. I said, he did. And all the water you turned into wine, you can drink too. (laughs) He heard the greatest sermons ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, the prodigal son. So how could everything start off so good and end up so bad? How many of you think you know who I'm talking about? Who am I talking about? Judas. Judas. How did he end up so bad? I I got a question for you. It's a theological question, but, but I want you to think about it a moment. Was Judas chosen to be Judas, or did Judas choose to be Judas? Say that one more time. Was Judas chosen to be Judas, or did he choose to be Judas? The the, the Bible gives us some real clear answers. You know what the Bible says? It is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. In other words... Everyone has the right to choose and the privilege to choose and the grace to choose Christ, however many people don't. Today's message is about Judas. Or better yet, how did someone who start off, started off so spiritually enlightened so wonderfully educated, so miraculously surrounded. How did he start off so well and end up so bad? How did Judas become Judas the betrayer? Today we're going to fast forward through the first three years of his encounter with Jesus and get to what became the final straw that broke the camel's back. The final act. That for Judas said to him, I can't walk with you anymore. I'm going to turn away from the miracle worker, the one who raised the dead, the one who turned water into wine, the one who walked on water. I'm going to turn away from him. And I'm going to become the betrayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus is seated at a celebrity dinner. Believe me, it's a celebrity dinner. Matthew 26 verse 6 says this. Then Jesus went to where? Bethany. Remember, that's a key part of our story today. To the home of Simon, a man Jesus had healed of what? Leprosy. Now remember, when someone had leprosy, they couldn't get within a football field, a hundred yards of anyone that didn't have leprosy. And when you got anywhere close, they would yell out, unclean! Because if you touch their open wounds, you too would get leprosy. So Jesus has now killed him, and he's seated at his house, and they're having dinner together. So Jesus is there. The man who could get near no one is there, and he's hosting the meal. And a woman came into the house holding an alabaster flask of expensive, fragrant what? Oil. And she came right to Jesus. And in a lavish gesture of devotion, she poured out this costly oil and cascaded it over his Head as he was seated at the table. Just imagine sitting there at dinner. You and Mama's eating. 
And all of a sudden, the door flies open. A woman comes walking in, and she starts taking embalming spices that you put on the dead to make them smell good so that you could attend a funeral for a few days before you put them away, and they stink. She began pouring this all over. And when his disciples saw this, they were, they were what? The disciples were what? Offended and said, what a, what a total waste, they grumbled. We could have sold this for a great deal of money and given it to the poor. But Jesus knew their, remember that. Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to them, why are you critical of this woman? She has done a beautiful act of kindness. You always have someone poor with you that you can help, but you will not always have me. And when she poured out the fragrant oil over me, she was preparing my body for for burial. I promise you that when this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in New Iberia, Louisiana, Tabasco Town, 2,000 years from now. He was right, wasn't he? And one of the 12 apostles, Judas, who was in charge of the money, the locksmith, went immediately to the leading priest and said, how much are you willing to pay me to betray Jesus into your hands? Now, as you know, there are stories in the Bible that are told the same story by different ones of the apostles, but it just gives their perspective of the story. So that was Matthew's perspective. Now here's Mark's perspective in chapter 14, verse 4 and 5. When she did this, some were highly, what? Indignant when they saw this and they, they complained to who? One another. Okay, you know how when somebody says something bad and you say, who said it? They go, well, I don't know. I just started saying it, so I just repeated it. They said that they complained to one another, saying, what a total waste. Same words. It could have been sold for a great sum of money, and the money could have benefited the poor. So they scolded who? This woman who did something that we're still preaching about 2,000 years later got scolded. We don't know what they were eating for dinner. We don't know who else was at the table. We don't know who all the other people were there. All we know is this woman poured out worship and someone or someones are scolding her for the very thing that's going to be the thing that's going to keep her talked about 2,000 years later. They were indignant and said, what a waste. Now, now we get some more details of the story. The first perspective was Matthew's perspective. The second perspective was Mark's perspective. But now we get the perspective of the one called the Beloved. Who is that? John. Who named him the Beloved? He named himself the Beloved. How many of you got a sibling like that? I'm the favorite. I'm getting everything when mom and dad die. I'm the favorite. He named himself the Beloved. Jesus didn't name him the Beloved. When you see the picture of the Last Supper, he's the one leaning over on the breast of Jesus. He's the one He was called the beloved because he was probably 13 or 14 years old. He was the youngest of all the disciples. So he was like a little brother to everyone. So now John gives us 
some little details that were excluded by Matthew and Mark. Same story. John 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover began, okay, that's a, that's a detail. What happens at Passover? A Passover lamb is sacrificed for all of the sins of the people. Who's the Passover lamb? Jesus. So six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, to the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead. If you heard Dr. Darius, he talked about this, where he raised him from the dead. And they prepared a supper for Jesus. Martha, okay, how many of you remember Mary and Martha? Who are they? Who are Mary and Martha? Who's their brother? Lazarus. So Martha said, you raised my brother from the dead. I'm going to cook you a boucherie like you ain't never had. We're going to have crackling. We're going to have boudin. We're going to eat like Pastor Jimmy Rollins. We're having oysters, crawfish. I don't care what Pastor Don says. And they prepared a supper for Jesus. And Martha served and Lazarus and Mary. So now we know, he tells us, okay, that they are at the leper's house. We knew that already, Simon the leper. But not only is Simon the leper who's been healed there, the latest celebrity is there besides Jesus. Who? Because he'd been raised from the dead. That's really an interesting story because if you follow this down to the end, you know what you find out? That all of the Jewish leaders are so mad because all the crowd is now following Jesus that they want to kill Jesus and they want to kill Lazarus. Imagine that conversation. Who killing Lazarus? I'm not killing him. He's already been raised from the dead once. <laughs> hey, I, he could test. I'm not killing anybody that could testify against me. Imagine trying to kill two people. One's already been raised from the dead, and the other one is going to be raised from the dead. Whew, I just got the frissons. And they prepared a supper for Jesus, and Martha served, and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. And Mary picked up an alabaster jar with nearly a liter of extremely rare, costly perfume, the purest nard, and she anointed Jesus' what? She anointed Jesus' feet. Now think about this. I want you to see this. See this table. Okay, Jesus is at the head of the table. Right next to him is his best friend who was raised from the dead, Lazarus. And now Mary. We don't know who else is there besides Simon the leper. The other disciples are there. She breaks out a year's worth of wages in perfume that you normally put on someone's body after they're dead. Now get this. Whew, I'm getting the free songs, getting ready to say this. She had done that from her, for her own brother who was dead just a few days before. And now she is putting the ointment on Jesus. As she's doing it, you know in her mind, she's thinking about when she did it for her brother who was dead, but now he's sitting there alive. She begins to do this. Then she wiped them dry with her long hair, and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. Verse 4, read it with me. But Judas, the locksmith, Simon's son, the 
spoke up and said, what? Oh, it wasn't just one of the disciples. Oh, it wasn't all of them indignant amongst each other. Who started saying, what a waste? Judas did. Judas did. Do you know this is the first statement ever recorded, spoken by Judas? First statement ever recorded. I'm going to read to you in just a moment the last statement. We could have sold this perfume for a fortune and given the money away to the poor. In fact, Judas had no heart for the poor. He only said this because he was a thief in charge of the money, and he would steal the money whenever he wanted it from the funds given to support Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus said to Judas, now think about this. Everybody, place is packed. The guy who had been healed of leprosy, the guy who has been raised from the dead, Jesus, the disciples who performed miracles. This is a celebrity dinner. Jesus stops and he looks at Judas and says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She has saved it for this time for my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. And when the word got out that Jesus was not far from Jerusalem, a large crowd came because they wanted to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Can you imagine the humiliation Judas felt? John tells us that the person that started this, the person that started what a waste, the person that said this could have been sold for money was who? And as soon as this was over, Mark and Matthew tell us both the first thing that he did when Jesus corrected him and rebuked him and called him out was he turned around and he went to the priest and said, what will you pay me to betray him? What was his problem? Money. Always be careful of people who are complaining about money because they're usually complaining about what they have a problem with themselves. If I was in a good Mexican church, they would have clapped right then. In this passage, John reveals to us who said what a waste. Judas. Do you know what Judas' last recorded words were? Matthew 27, 4. He brings the 30 pieces of silver and he throws it at the priest after he betrayed Jesus. And he said, I have sinned because I betrayed an innocent man. The final straw was being called out and corrected and offended. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you because this is a powerful, powerful, powerful biblical truth. The difference between healthy people and unhealthy people can be seen in this very clearly. Unhealthy people always confuse correction for rejection. The Bible says in Proverbs, correct a wise man and he will love you. Correct a fool and he will hate you. You ever heard this? Well, why don't you say something to him? I've said something to him a bunch of times. Pastor, they're just going to learn the hard way. I read the book of Proverbs for six months. It's all I read once. 
And there's three ways to learn wisdom. Proverbs tells you instruction, correction, and reproof. And after that, the only way to learn is by your own stupidity and consequences. The greatest curse God ever gives a person is not when he judges them. The greatest curse God ever gives a person is when he leaves you to yourself. When he leaves you to yourself. That is exactly what happens. And his final rock of offense came to him when Jesus calls him out and humiliates him in front of everyone. And then the person who's complaining about money goes to betray Jesus for money. money. How did Judas become Judas? We live in a generation that at one time, many years ago, accepted this as the word of God. We live in a generation that at one time honored God. His name was just not on our money. It was on our lips and on our heart. We still have, when every elected official is sworn in, they put their hand on The idiots, why do they think they put their hand on the Bible? Someone felt sentimental? Mama just asked them to? Because they believed that at the end of the day, every man or woman was ultimately accountable to God and God alone. Now look at me. What caused an entire generation that believed that at one time, to be anti that right now. Or in other words, how did our generation go from being believers to betrayers? Today, I don't want to talk about Judas. He's gone. His fate is chosen. I want to talk about you and about me. Today, I want to ask you, Is there any Judas in you? Is there any Judas in you? What made Judas Judas? Or how can we keep from becoming Judas ourselves? Four things Judas did that made him Judas. Number one, he did not guard his heart. He did not guard his heart. Proverbs 4, 20-23 says, Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I say. Fill your thoughts with my... Until they penetrate, what? Deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health to the very core of your being, so that above all, guard the affections of your... For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being... For from there flows what? The wellspring of life. When the enemy wants to stop you, he doesn't start with outward temptation. He starts in your heart. He starts in your heart. Tragic things grow in a dark, unguarded heart. Tragic things grow in a dark, unguarded heart. First stealing is how it began with him. Then he began to grow bitter and resentful that other people were having privileges and information that he didn't have. And then finally, as Jesus called him out, he was done. He was willing to turn his back on everything that he'd seen because he embraced his hurt more than he did his healing. That's always the case. 
Someone said, you're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. That's why God's solution for dealing with sin is to confess it, get it out, expose it to the light. Today, if you're struggling with porn, today, if you're struggling with anger and bitterness and resentment, today, if you're struggling with depression and fear and anxiety, as long as you hold it in and wrestle it in and try to do it yourself, but as soon as you confess it to God and to others, that's why the Bible says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Why? Why? Let me ask you a question. How many of you know people that have some bad habits? Okay. How many of you Say something to them. Okay? How many of you don't say anything to them because you don't think they'll receive it? But you know what happens when they confess it? Hey, man, would you pray for me? I'm really struggling with my temper. Man, I'm glad you said that. You flipped off two people on the way to church and both of them pulled in the church parking lot after that. Okay. Why didn't you say something before? When they confess it, they give you permission to address it. That's why the Bible says, confess your faults one another, you may be healed. I can help you if you confess it. But if you won't own it, I can't address it. He did not guard his heart. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm the first to tell you right now, and my wife's here, so I can't exaggerate. I'm not a gardener. Matter of fact, I gave up growing anything when I got saved, and that was weed I was growing before. Oh, don't act like you ain't never grown any weed. <clears throat> yeah, 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 uh-huh, uh-huh. I see y'all like, oh, you know, you know, yeah. come on, Cheech and Chong, you know who I'm talking about. But my wife, my wife, my wife's two happy places are on the beach or this time of the year. This, this Cajun woman, you, you, we have a pond, okay, in front of our house. She was waist deep in the water pulling out weeds that surrounded her trees. I'm like, what are you doing? She said, aren't you glad you married a Cajun woman? I'm like, I'm kind of scared now. I don't know. But I hadn't figured it out. It, it is her happy place. And, and I, I grew up poor in the Mexican ghetto of Houston, mowing lawns as soon as I could push a lawnmower. How many of you remember doing that? Okay. So my greatest life dream was as a Mexican to get a white lawn man. <laughs> like that was part of my dream to fulfill. Like somebody cut my yard, not named Julio or Aranza. That's a joke, kind of. Not really. <laughs> But, but she works so hard at it, and she'll get out there and literally, I mean, haul 50-pound bags of fertilizer and dirt and all of that stuff. And I mean, she, she just loves it. She, she is literally in heaven doing that. How many of you feel that way too? Raise your hand. Y'all need healing from Jesus. <laughs> and a white long man. <laughs> so, that, that, I, so I want to just say from the get-go, I, I don't like any of that. I don't like any of that because I grew up all my life having to do it. So 
What I can do, though, is after she plants all the little flowers and things, while I'm out walking in and I see a weed, I can reach down and I can pull up the weeds. Now, you know what's interesting? She'll go and she'll buy good soil. She'll buy fertilizer. She'll buy the plants. And then she'll mulch them. But guess what still grows up? She didn't buy any weeds. She didn't plant any weeds. But we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, weeds will always grow. And the only thing that will keep the weeds out of your heart is the seed of the Word of God. And this book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. You say, Pastor, how do I keep weeds out of my heart? Keep washing your mind and your heart daily with the Word of God. Jesus said you are clean through the Word which I have spoken to you. Look at me. Don't tell me how much you love God. Tell me how much you love this book. David said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed to thy word. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Weeds will come whether you want to or not. When you go to school, there are going to be weeds there. When you walk to school, there's going to be weeds there. When you're at work, there's going to be weeds there. When you walk in a grocery store, there's going to be weeds there. When you turn the TV on, that ain't nothing but weed. <laughs> so if all of this stuff comes in unintentionally bombarding you, you must intentionally plant the seed of the Word of God to guard your heart. Here's the second thing he did. He didn't guard his heart. He listened to the enemy's voice. He listened to the wrong voices. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 John the Revelator writes, Then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, Now salvation and power are set in place, and the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of his anointed one have been established. Read this with me. For the... Of who? And... He's accuser of who? So, he's only accusing who? Our brothers and our sisters who relentlessly accuses them day and night before our God has now been defeated and cast out one for all. Let me just say, the devil is called the accuser. He accuses us to God. He accuses God to us. And right now while you sit in church, he's accusing others to you and you to others. Isn't it amazing? The devil doesn't come and accuse the bad people in our life. Like how many used to run with some and cut up with some folks? Okay, look, look at me. The devil doesn't come to you and go, watch out, it's Friday night, nasty Nikki's fixing to call. <laughs> she got her leopard skin on, she's going to work it tonight. She said, hey, look, look at me. The, the, if you used to drink with your buddies every Friday, the, the, the devil never comes and goes, hey, be on guard. Drunk Donald's going to be calling. You know, every Friday, he's going to call you. He's got some cold ones. He's Do you know who he accuses? Your brothers 
and your sisters, not the ones that are coming to pull you down, but the ones that God has called to lift you up. And I want to say something to you prophetically and true. When I was 19 years old, sitting in the church on Lewis Street, and Pop would be preaching with his eyes closed because he liked preaching with his eyes closed like this. They would talk back then about one day a great falling away was coming. That one day people would no longer believe this was the word of God. That people would no longer believe that men were men and women were women. That people would call good bad and bad good. Truth a lie and a lie the truth. And that people would fall away from God and fall away from the foundation of this book and fall away from hope and confidence and then ultimately fall away from church. Look at me. Last year at Easter was the first time in 2,000 years Easter was not celebrated worldwide. Not a church service. Not one. Anywhere in the world with people attending. Who in the world do you think is behind that? March the 15th, a year ago, when we shut down the previous Sunday at our five campuses, six campuses then, we had 8,000 people in church. Today, on our best Sunday, we're just under 4,000. Look at me. The Bible says in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. This is the great falling away. That is why the enemies use prejudice, racism, fear. Look at me. Anytime you want to know if the devil's behind something, if there's fear and separation, the devil's the father of it. He always is. He always is. And listen to me. You know what? Let me give you kind of Christianity, shepherd and sheep 101. You learned this when you were a little child. Remember that song? Hey there, little red riding hood. You sure are looking good. Remember that song? Okay, come on. Older people, thank you. Young people, shut up. You wouldn't know what it is anyway. Okay. How does a wolf get sheep? He gets them away, number one, from the shepherd. And number two, from the flock. And we've lived in one year with people isolated and afraid and lonely. And the wolf has gotten many of them. Yes. Yes. Through fear. Do you know that more than 80,000 people have committed suicide or OD'd on drugs in the last 12 months? There hadn't been 80,000 people that just died of COVID. There's been 500,000 people that have died. Some have died of COVID. Most have died with COVID. Yeah. 
Look at me. I don't care if you believe it or not. I got doctors in our church that come and tell me there were people that had heart attacks. If they had COVID enzymes in there, they said he died of COVID. Absolutely, 100% true. Okay, look, at me. I'm not making a political statement. I'm telling you the devil is a liar. He will use fear to do anything that he can. And he is. Listen, we got to stop listening to the wrong voices. Can, can I tell you a great truth that you'd never, ever forget? Okay, I don't always know what God wants me to do. But if I know what the devil's telling me to do, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Let me say that again. Anybody ever got mad? Everybody heard a voice go, slap him, slap him, slap him. Uh, yes or no? Okay, okay. Anybody ever heard this voice? Cuss him, cuss him. They need a, they need a good cussing. That would change them. That would really change them. And it'd make you feel a lot better. Whatever the enemy wants you to do. So if the whole world is going, fear, 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 hide, fear, be afraid, hide, fear, fear. What should you do? It doesn't mean, listen to me. I'm not talking about not being safe. I'm talking about not being stupid. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's the third thing. Because y'all are distracting me. His self-talk was his counselor. What does self-talk sound like? What does self-talk sound like? Come on, you, you, you know, you know. Well, watch this. Luke eighteen nine, Jesus tells us what self-talk sounds like. He also spoke this parable to certain people who were convinced of their own what? righteousness and who despised what others because if you think you're good that has to be based upon the fact you think everybody else is bad two men went up to the temple to pray one was a pharisee the other one was a and the only good thing in this story is i'm glad the irs even had a bad name during the time of jesus that just encourages my spirit and the Pharisee stood and, read this with me, prayed to himself. Oh, when you pray, who do you pray to? But who is he praying to? This is self-talk. God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of the men that are here. That I'm not from Delco. That I don't drink. That I don't dip. That I don't chew. And I'm not like all other people to do. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But these guys over here, this tax collector stood away. And he couldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. And he beat on his chest. And he simply said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went away to his house justified rather than the other. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What does your self-talk sound like? What does your self-talk sound like? The most dangerous place I can ever be is when I become my own counselor. And I use my holy trinity that I counsel with me, myself, and I. 
You know that your thoughts on earth are like words in heaven, right? Like, like when I said what I said, some of those things, you went, ooh, ooh, I, I bet he's talking about, God heard, ooh, ooh, I bet he's talking about. When you look, when somebody stood up and you went, oh, look at them, I know why they stood. God heard, hey, I know I look why they stood. Your thoughts on earth are like words in heaven. God sees and God knows. Listen carefully to me. The worst place you can ever put yourself in is to become your own counselor. Dr. Charlie Prejean was one of the men that helped start our Savior's church. He taught doctors at the LSU School of Medicine. He was an old friend of mine. When we opened up the Lafayette campus, his funeral was the first funeral. I buried him just like he asked me to be buried. He died of lung cancer and never smoked a cigarette a day in his life. We buried him in a saint's jersey and a doctor's lab coat. When the saints won the Super Bowl, I thought about him. One day, Dr. Charlie picked me up to go duck hunting, and he pulled up inside of my house. I loaded up everything in the back of his truck and got in, and he started sneezing. And I laughed and looked at him and said, Dr. Charlie, you need to go see a doctor. Started laughing, and he went, I did. I said, you what? He said, I did. I went to go see a doctor yesterday. I said, come on, Dr. Charlie, you didn't go see it. I mean, you teach doctors. And he looked at me and he said, Jacob, the doctor that treats himself has a fool for a patient. And the person that counsels himself has a fool for a counselor. He self-talk was his counselor. Number four, he stumbled at offense, disappointment, and correction. And correction. Luke 17, 1 through 3, Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come to you, but woe to the person to whom they come. Listen, you're always going to be offended. I, I, I've talked to people all the time. They go, I don't go to church anymore. Why? They have one or two excuses. The first one is, there's too many hypocrites. I always look at them and go, well, come on. We always got room for one more. <laughs> That's my pat line. <laughs> but my second line is when they go, I've been hurt. You've been hurt by, I've been hurt by people in church. Like, like somehow church has a copyright on hurt. How many of you have ever been hurt? How many of you have been hurt by people at church? How many of you have been hurt by people outside of church? Okay, look, listen carefully to me. If you don't ever want to be hurt, hurt is the price you pay for love. So if you don't ever want to be hurt, I want to tell you how you can never, ever be hurt. Listen carefully. You want to write this down. How I can never be hurt. You can write this right now. How I can never be hurt. Number one, don't get married. <laughs> don't get married. Okay. Number two, for heaven's sakes, don't have children. And everybody said, amen. no, don't point at children. Just, I mean, <laughs> yes, amen. <laughs> Listen, 
They put stretch marks on your belly when they come out, and they put stretch marks here and here on your knees until they achieve the destiny God has for them. Listen to me. Everybody's going to hurt you. You just have to decide which relationships are worth hurting for. Jesus said it's impossible that you not be offended. It doesn't mean they meant to hurt you. You know how I know this is true? I have a friend of mine that I used to do school assemblies with. His name was Joseph Jennings. And he would stand up at the beginning of a school assembly. He was about 295, about 6'3", a former gang member. And this was the first lines out of his mouth when he grabbed the microphone. Hello, my name is Joseph Jennings. I've been shot 14 times. I threw my first wife pregnant off a two-story building. I emptied a 45 caliber pistol in my brother's mouth. And don't you move while I speak. Move? Everybody was running to the bathroom. I was with a guy one time when he said that, and he tapped me and said, shouldn't he be in prison? He would end his talk by saying, I want to show you a picture today of a person that has done more harm to me than anybody ever has in my whole life. And he would hold up a picture of himself. He'd hold up a picture of himself. Today, you are going to be hurt by people that mean it and by people that don't mean it, by people that you love and by people that you tolerate. But if you don't get that out of your heart and you start seeing people through that for the rest of your life, it begins to build up and you think it's just separating you from them, but really it's separating you from God. Because you're not letting go of stuff in other people that you're asking God to let go of inside of you. And look at me. We can all throw rocks at Judas, but there's some of Judas living in everybody here, including me. And if I don't guard my heart with this word, and if I don't speak truth to the enemy's lies when he comes and lies to me about the people that God has put in my life to help me, and if I become my own chief counselor, and if I allow the faults and frailties and hurts and disappointments of other people to affect me, then I too can become a betrayer to everything that I know is true. How did an entire generation betray the God of America, the God that this nation was founded on, the word of God that people swear on the Bible before they even take an oath of office, the scriptures that are inscribed on our government? How did they do that? Remember, They never intended to do that at the beginning. It was just a gradual drift taking each one of these steps I've talked to you about today until one day they then turned away from everything that they knew. Would you bow your head with me right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it's powerful and sharp. And then in a moment like this, we can take someone from 2,000 years ago and you by your Holy Spirit can take and speak to us right here in New Iberia, Louisiana and show us the very areas of our lives where we too have become like Judas. 
I pray, Father, now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and search each of our hearts. The places where we haven't guarded our heart with your word. Search our hearts, Father. For the places where we've stumbled by listening to the enemy's voice. The accuser. The accuser. And not identifying as it that the accuser, the liar, the one who attacks our brothers and sisters. We're here to help us, even though sometimes they may unknowingly hurt us. Lord, save us from the moments we become our own counselor. We become our own counselor. And not listen to your voice, your word, and godly people you placed in our lives. And for the place we've held on to offense, as it caused us not only to betray others, to betray the God who has forgiven us so much. Lord, when you forgive people that we can't stand, we've said what a waste. When you bless people that we would not bless, it's as though we've said what a waste. You've been so good and gracious to each of us, so merciful. Holy Spirit, come now.